Pushkin. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is Accelerating Innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10 times points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side-by-side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. This is Solvable. I'm Jacob Weisberg. Much like using ride-sharing, they'll get a text when it's saying, hey, the product's one minute away, please step outside, it's going to be delivered into your mailbox. Drone delivery. Items falling from the sky right to your mailbox with just the push of a button. Are you excited? Nervous? They don't call them drones. They just call them sky ambulances. Keller Renato runs Zipline International. To be clear, his drone delivery service isn't dropping off last-minute anniversary presents or late-night takeout. Zipline is focused on delivering medical supplies. According to the WHO, over 5 million kids under the age of 5 die every year due to a lack of access to basic medical products and care. Zipline regularly delivers whole blood, platelets, fresh frozen plasma, and clotting products. These kinds of medical deliveries are especially helpful in places with unreliable roads and large populations living in remote and rural areas. Today, Zipline deliveries can reach just about any location across Rwanda and the entirety of Ghana, and they just started to deliver in the U.S. So... North Carolina's learning from Rwanda. Is that is that how you would characterize it? 100%. During this pandemic, the ability to take medical appointments online has been a lifesaver, keeping us safely away from enclosed office spaces and out of hospitals that are overcrowded with COVID-19 emergencies. Zipline sees the work they do as the next step in a remote medical service chain. In many ways, the logistics service, the kind of instant delivery that Zipline provides, is just the other half of telepresence. Keller Renato is the CEO and founder of Zipline International. My solvable is making sure that every human on Earth has access to basic medical products. My co-host, Ann Applebaum, spoke with Renato. 
Here's their conversation. Explain to me how it works. In other words, there's a there's a nurse who sees that she needs a particular blood product in rural Tanzania. Does she pick up a phone and call someone? Is the how, how does the system work and how is it that the drones are ready to go and are, you know, are they in a, are they in some kind of medical base to start with? What does the system look like? Although there's a lot of complicated technology behind the service that we provide, the experience of the service itself is extremely simple, which is essentially push a button on a phone, get the medical product that you need to save a patient's life delivered to your GPS coordinates. There's no training really required for nurses or doctors or health workers. Um, they can place orders in a number of different ways, either via an online form or by calling a phone number or also by using WhatsApp. WhatsApp actually winds up being an incredibly reliable kind of infrastructure um, in in a lot of these countries. Uh, And so any nurse or doctor or health worker can place an order. Um, All of the complexity of, you know, autonomous aircraft and like getting regulatory approval and knowing how to do safety and maintenance, et cetera, is kind of handled in the background. You know, they'll get a text message saying, thanks for letting us know, an order has been dispatched, it is 24 minutes away. And then, you know, much like using ride sharing, they'll get a text when it's saying, hey, the product's one minute away, please step outside, it's going to be delivered into your mailbox. And the drones really move fast enough to make this work? Yeah, so the, you know, the simple technology zipline builds distribution centers and then the aircraft themselves. We employ teams of engineers and operators at each distribution center. Um, each distribution center can serve around 20,000 square kilometers or something like 8,000 square miles, um, which is typically between two and 10 million people. So for example, we cover the whole country of Rwanda with two distribution centers, cover the whole country of Ghana with about eight. That's where we store uh, inventory of medical products. And then each distribution center will serve around 200 to 400 primary care facilities and hospitals. And each of those facilities is getting a delivery often several times a day, sometimes several times a week, depending on the size of the facility. But essentially, it's just teleportation. It means that now it's possible to teleport products from a central place out to all these different places where patients may need something. The benefit of having a teleportation-like service for national healthcare systems is that they can dramatically improve access, particularly for vulnerable populations. They can reduce waste because you're sending less stuff out to the last mile and before it's actually needed by a patient. Um, And finally, you can actually increase the diversity of the products that are available at primary care facilities. So it makes it possible to treat patients closer to where they live. And what are the finances of it? Isn't it too expensive for a country like Rwanda to have, um, you know, to have a drone service delivering medication? When it comes to questions around the unit economics of what we do, that's actually one of the big advantages of delivering in this way. If you have a lot of medicine in the system and a lot of these things expire, it's very expensive, may have specific storage requirements or short shelf lives. A lot of medicine gets thrown out. Millions and millions of dollars of medicine actually expires every year and gets thrown out. And so by having a more efficient logistics system that, by the way, is cost comparable to using trucks or motorcycles, you can actually save these healthcare systems a lot of money. So is this a little bit like, um, as, as has been the case in, in a number of countries, including a lot of African countries, that people get cell phones before landlines are, are established? Essentially, you're offering a technology that's higher and better than they would have if they were doing road deliveries. Are we skipping a stage of infrastructure in order to do this? 
that is exactly how we often think about about this, and you know, that that's typically called leapfrogging in you know global development. And the idea of leapfrogging landlines to go straight to cell phones, I think it's a very similar thing to what's happening here. It's often the countries that have you know the highest need and the ability to move quickly on a new technology that can actually innovate the fastest. So, for example, Kenya has like the highest rate of adoption for mobile payments of any country on earth. I believe that was the case at least a year ago. Rwanda and Ghana have fully autonomous systems delivering large percentages of their healthcare supply chains and in a cost-effective way. And that network of distribution centers has become the largest commercial autonomous system on earth. Funny enough, I have been to both Rwanda and Ghana, and relative to other countries in the in their respective regions, both of them, are, for very different reasons, are relatively r- well run. Um, That's true. W- you know, would this work in a less well run country? I mean, do how how much do you depend on the local health bureaucracy and you know the the training of local bureaucrats and technicians? I mean, it doesn't work without you know an amazing partner on the other side. A lot of the success that we've had in Rwanda and Ghana is thanks to exactly as you said. You know, we chose Rwanda and Ghana for a reason. Really innovative governments that are moving fast, they're investing in healthcare, investing in infrastructure. And for sure, there are some governments, both in Africa, but also other parts of the world that just are not well enough organized probably to you know, take advantage of this kind of technology yet. But that said, I mean, there are a lot of countries that are now following in Rwanda and Ghana's footsteps. The US, you know, uh, potentially the biggest among them, a lot of countries are looking at what they've achieved. I mean, the fact that Rwanda is now providing universal access to healthcare for every single one of its 15 million or so citizens in a way that is A, cost-effective, and B, enables all these new paradigms of care, especially close to where people live. And this is something that impacts every healthcare system, especially coming out of this pandemic. So in the US, you know, the pandemic has led a lot of hospital systems to suddenly focus on, hey, how do we decentralize care? How do we treat patients close to where they live, extend the reach of the hospital system directly into the home? And they look at what Rwanda and Ghana are doing and say, that's a good answer. So this is, for example, the reason that we launched with Navant Healthcare in North Carolina um, in the middle of last year. So North Carolina is learning from Rwanda. Is that is that how you would characterize it? 100%. This trend of big hospital systems that used to rely on patients coming into the hospital to receive care, patients hate that. The most vulnerable populations are the ones that are least likely to be able to even do that, to take time off work or have a car to like get to that hospital in a city. And it's the most expensive way of treating a patient. So as we actually start paying for quality of care and outcomes rather than paying for procedures, health systems become incentivized to treat patients close to where they live. If you can treat them at a primary care facility, that's amazing. If you can send a home health care nurse directly to their home, um, or if you can just you know have them talk to a doctor via telepresence, in many ways, the logistic service, the kind of instant delivery that Zipline provides is just the other half of telepresence. I do have to say, I remember first hearing the expression telemedicine being used widely at the beginning of the pandemic, and it sounded so exciting um, until I realized that it really most of the time meant talking to the doctor on the phone, <laughs> yeah. which seemed, <laughs> seemed much less exciting. It's not that fancy. It's like pretty, yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's kind of crazy, actually, that that was going to, you know, that that has taken so long. Is it possible that this is working partly because there are so few other drones being used this way? I mean, drones are used for photography and they're used for, they have a, you know, they have a military function, but they haven't really been used as a delivery service 
before. I mean, can, can you imagine us running into trouble if there were lots of people doing this? Or, or do you think it will, it's something um, that we're all just going to get used to over time? People often ask about that. I, I think people have this sense that like, oh my God, the sky is going to be darkened by drones. And I actually think you know, just from a physics perspective, probably people's intuition is a little bit off about how big the sky is. You know, when we're flying, we fly below the commercial aviation floor, but well above where you can like hear the vehicle or even really distinguish the vehicle from a bird. Um, it's very hard to see an aircraft when it's flying by at 400 feet, which is our cruise altitude. Um, and the sky is the sky is just really, really large. That leads obviously to the next question, which is what do these drones look like? How big are they? How fast do they fly? Um, and how do they operate? I, I read somewhere that the the drones you use don't actually stop. It's not like they land and deliver something and then take off again. They they drop the goods, I mean, almost like parachuters. Can, can you describe what that looks like? They weigh about 40 pounds each, um, and they launch and land only at our distribution centers. So this means that when we receive an order, that order will come via SMS or via WhatsApp or via a phone call to our fulfillment center. We have trained pharmacists who can take a product, for example, say you know, two units of blood, load it into a package. That package is loaded into the airplane. The airplane is set onto a launcher, and once the flight computer has booted up and is ready to fly the aircraft, we launch the aircraft. It actually accelerates from zero to about 80 kilometers an hour in about a third of a second, so really, really fast. It will fly out to the GPS coordinates of the hospital or primary care facility that placed the order. And then when we deliver, we actually descend from our cruise altitude of about 400 feet to somewhere between 30 and 60 feet. And we deliver into a mailbox, which is really just a made-up rectangle on the ground. It's the size of a couple parking spaces. So as long as a primary care facility or hospital has a couple parking spaces, whether that's you know actual parking spaces or a little grassy patch, or even you know, for example, in the Vaughn Hospital in North Carolina, we deliver onto the rooftop of one of their hospitals. Um, they can kind of set up their mailbox wherever they like, and then they know that the product is always going to be delivered into that mailbox. We use a really simple paper parachute attached to the package to make sure that the package comes gently to the ground. And that enables us to basically provide this autonomous service without ever having untrained humans come close to the vehicles. And does it ever fail? Well, Zipline operates in the real world. And what I, you know, one thing I've learned is like nothing is a, you know, 100% in the real world. So certainly like, you know, especially in the early days of the service, we had certain instances where the package didn't land quite in the mailbox. We've had instances where the plane will encounter mission failure um, and have to turn around and come home. And then, you know, we'll use another plane to do that delivery maybe 15 minutes later. All logistics kind of operates on percentages. Nothing's 100%. We guaranteed our customer uh, 96% service uptime. And we've actually achieved something like 99% service uptime. So way higher than any kind of traditional logistics system. You know, these kinds of vehicles can operate more reliably than motorcycles and cars. And they can operate in kinds of weather and conditions that actually traditional logistics systems don't operate in at all. And that is one of the main value propositions of this kind of technology. In the U.S., uh, there's, I'm afraid drones have a negative connotation. Um, they don't make people think of, you know, life-saving technology. They make people think of military strikes. Has that been a problem for you when you're, while moving these ideas to North Carolina and proposing their use in other places? Do you find Americans are more resistant to, this, to, to the use of drones and delivery? 
That's a complicated question. I mean, you know, if you think drones have a bad connotation in the U.S., just imagine where they've actually been used by the U.S. government to, you know, kill people. Like those countries have an even more negative connotation. But yeah, absolutely. I think that this general technology has been thought of as technology that kills people rather than technology that saves people's lives. And that is part of the narrative that we are trying to rewrite. The reality is that autonomous systems of this kind can have a huge impact in equalizing access, building logistic systems that serves all, all humans equally, um, and ensuring that where you live does not determine whether you live. Uh, it's just going to take time for people to see that other half of the coin. And, and you know, it, in Rwanda and Ghana today, the community acceptance for, for this national service is through the roof because most people have a cousin or a family member or a friend who has received a product and is per perhaps even alive because this service is available. And it's pretty simple. And by the way, they don't call them drones. They just call them sky ambulances. Yeah, sky, sky ambulance sounds a lot nicer than drone, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But it's also more specific to what it's actually doing. I think we actually tend to call things, there's a joke among roboticists that there are no useful robots because once something is useful, you just call it the thing that it does rather than a robot. So for example, like a dishwasher is a dishwasher, not like, you know, a robot that washes your dishes. And I think the same is true, you know, yeah, drone, we don't really talk about drones. And in fact, I think one really important thing to understand about Zipline is that none of our customers care about drones. All they care about is does something go from point A to point B fast enough to save someone's life. Hello, hello. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. In my book, David and Goliath, I tried to figure out how some people find the strength to take on the established way of thinking and turn it upside down. What does it take to be a disruptor? And I concluded that a disruptor is someone with a rare combination of three traits. First, you have to be open. You have to be willing to see and do things in new ways. Secondly, you have to be conscientious to follow through and make things happen. Those two are obvious. But the third one is the crucial one. You have to be willing to do what you think is right, even when everyone around you thinks you're an idiot. There isn't a brilliant innovator in history who wasn't surrounded by naysayers. Most of us can't take that kind of criticism and we fold, but the disruptor doesn't. They soldier on. I've been looking at disruptors and their success stories a lot lately, partly because I'm working on a follow-up to the tipping point and market disruption plays a key role in how ideas take off but also because I'm going to be the keynote speaker at this year's unconventional awards from T-Mobile for Business. It's an event where customers are recognized for kicking convention to the curb to elevate their company, while also doing meaningful things for their community and even the world. In fact, I'll be presenting the first ever Tipping Point designation, a new special distinction honoring one entrant that sparked transformative change for their organization this event sounds like your thing, I encourage you to find out more or even enter the unconventional awards to be recognized for your disruptive thinking. Win a donation to a charity of your choice and much more. You can enter before July 31st at tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. That's tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. I'll save you a seat. As listeners to this show, you probably consider yourself pretty smart. But how smart is your wallet? When you're looking to upgrade your wallet, it's time to turn to Nerd Wallet. Their expert team of nerds has the financial smarts to help you find the right financial products for you. 
Before NerdWallet, you might have paid for vacations with whatever was in your wallet. But you could have been missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. Now you can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S., That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash news. That's lifelock.com slash news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Recently, you've done a, a deal with Walmart or you created a partnership with Walmart. Tell me about that. Is, is that. Do you have the idea of expanding this beyond medical supplies to, to other things? Is, is, is that the purpose of it? What we're doing with Walmart right now is Walmart actually operates, you know, pharmacies that are closer to a lot of the most rural, vulnerable populations in the U.S. of any company in the country. And so uh, what we're focused on doing with Walmart is extending access to their pharmacy as well as specific health and wellness products directly to the home so that people, if they need something, they can order it and get it delivered instantly as opposed to have to go to a pharmacy, especially in the time of a pandemic. Can you deliver in the same way to somebody's house? I mean, to, you know, letting a little parachute float down into their front yard? I mean, it's a good question. And actually something that we'll have, uh, you know, we'll be making some announcements on over the coming year. Our goal is to serve every single GPS coordinates, every single home um, in all the countries where we operate. You know, today we can serve some of them, not all of them, but that percentage of homes that we serve will increase over time. Is there an issue in in your business um, in in drone delivery of privacy um, in the way there was with telemedicine that things that used to be one to one or things that you know conversations that used to be absolutely privileged are now recorded somewhere or available to other people? Um, have you run into that as a barrier in 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 what you do as well? Luckily, on a, on the privacy front. We really just fit in the same way that other logistic systems would fit in. We're certified in the same way that you know a, a car, motorcycle, or a courier service that was delivering something quickly would be certified. That's actually not something that is like new or or requires us to to and you know reinvent the wheel. Keller, can you remember the first time you realized that this system was going to work when in real life? a drone took off and it delivered a medical product to someone who needed it. Can you, can you remember that, what that was like? 
I, 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 you know, certain experiences are probably indelibly, you know, marked on your, on your brain. And, and that's certainly one of them. I mean, I think the important context is when we were starting to build Zipline, so many experts in global public health told us that this was a stupid idea and that it was never going to work. Um, and it was in fact, the governments, it was the ministers of health who kind of helped change our mind and say like, no, 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 like this'll work. Like, let's focus. Let's, you know, let's, let's go see if we can deliver, for example, just blood, which is what we started doing in Rwanda. And I remember, you know, when we actually launched the president of Rwanda came, he was one of the you know, early champions for us getting started there. Um, he launched the first aircraft It went, made a delivery. And I remember as we were sitting, waiting for the plane to come back and land at the distribution center, like a hundred kids had gathered on the fence. We have a fence around our distribution centers. And uh, there were a hundred kids on the fence, kind of like looking in, waiting with us to watch this plane come in and land. And he just casually pointed at all of them. And he said, those are the future engineers of Rwanda. And it really made me realize that this is, you know, in some ways, this is bigger than healthcare. This is, this is building a world where you know, people who have been left behind by traditional economies, left behind by traditional kinds of logistic systems, are actually going to have a chance to lead the world. Um, and by the way, you know, these kinds of jobs, these kinds of you know, startups and new ideas and new innovations um, are going to create you know, jobs and opportunities. Um, and we've found, I mean, I think the most important thing about Zipline to understand is that the, the, the superheroes behind this story are the flight engineers and flight operators who operate all of our distribution centers across the world. And those teams are 100% local. What are a few things that listeners could do to help you solve this problem? In other words, to encourage medical innovation, to bring these kinds of delivery systems to their own communities. What do you suggest that people do? You know, that's an awesome question and one that I, that I rarely get. Um, in fact, I don't know if I've ever had someone ask that. Um, one is that I do think people should demand more from their healthcare systems. Healthcare systems that really survive and thrive are going to have to figure out how to provide care in a convenient, cost-effective way closer to where patients live. You know, another thing is that we're a global company and we're really proud of what we get to do outside the U.S. But as a U.S. citizen, if I were to speak for a second, I would say it is so, so important that we not allow ourselves to fall behind in core new areas of technology. The reason that we live in the richest country today is that our grandparents did an amazing job of moving really quickly on things like cars and airplanes and satellites and the space race, you know? And uh, the reality is that there are a lot of industries that are those corollaries today, but I think the U.S. is not pursuing them as aggressively. And in many cases, we're allowing regulation to actually hinder the adoption of that technology in the U.S. And other countries are not wasting time. Uh, China, for example, is moving really, really quickly when it comes to things like nuclear fusion and quantum computing and, uh, and drone delivery. We have to realize that if we don't innovate, others will, and we won't necessarily lead the world forever. Are there books or articles that you've read, other things to read or watch that you can suggest for people who are who are interested in pursuing this subject further? You know, drone delivery is a little trickier because it's it's just so nascent that, you know, I don't think the books have been really written yet. But I can say, you know, this broader trend that I'm describing of really understanding the context of like where growth is happening in the world. Um, I, you know, two books that I deeply love, Factfulness by Hans and Ola Rosling is an amazing book that just kind of explores like what are the basic facts of the world we live in and where growth is occurring and where people live and what like a more equal future would look like. And then uh, Enlightenment Now by Steven Pinker is just 
I think one of the most important books probably for every human on earth to read and definitely speaks to a lot of these trends I'm talking about, about like what would a hopeful future look like where humanity is becoming more equal over time rather than the opposite. Keller Renato is the CEO and founder of Zipline International. To learn more about drone delivery and remote medical access, please check out the links in our show notes. Solvable senior producer is Jocelyn Frank. Research and booking by Lisa Dunn. Catherine Girardeau is our managing producer. Our executive producer is Mia Lobel. Solvable is a production of Pushkin Industries. If you like the show, please remember to share, rate, and review it. It really helps us get the word out. You can find Pushkin Podcasts wherever you listen, including on the iHeartRadio app and Apple Podcasts. I'm Jacob Weisberg. The tradition of breaking tradition continues with the return of the unconventional awards from T-Mobile for Business at Mobile World Congress. This is an event that celebrates innovators whose bold actions took their industries to new places. If that sounds like you and you're a T-Mobile for Business customer, enter today. If you win, you'll be publicly honored amongst some of the most influential leaders in industry. And me, I'll be there too. Enter now at tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. See you there. Musora is your access to online music lessons for guitar, piano, drums, and singing. You know, I love music, but I haven't picked up an instrument in years. You know why? I tell myself, I don't have time. Where am I going to find a teacher? Well, there's an answer. Musora. Musora is the place where you can learn essential skills and techniques with more than a hundred of the world's best teachers and musicians and thousands of famous songs. You get seven days totally free to try it out. And then it's just $30 per month, less than a single private lesson. Just go to musora.com, M-U-S-O-R-A.com to start a new musical journey today. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.